Hey, Grand Forks, it's time again for Icky Ichabod's Weird Wrestling. And today, we're going to be just going around the table and talking about our five favorite wrestlers of all time from any era. Doesn't matter which. So, uh, but before we do that, we have to make a shout out to our friends at uh, River Cinema 15 and the Shire Bar and Grill. Make the River Cinema 15 and the Shire Bar and Grill your next dinner and a movie's destination. Both are located in the River Mall in East Grand Forks. Either dine inside the movie memorabilia restaurant, the Shire, or take your meal to the movie you're attending. Some of this week's featured attractions are Transformers Rise of the Beasts, The Boogeyman, Elemental, and The Flash. You can find the complete showtimes and listings online at rivercinema15.com. Don't forget about the Tuesday special of $5 movies all day long and 550 Senior Matinee Special on Wednesdays and Thursdays. The River Cinema has luxury recliners and expanding concessions that now serve adult beverages, and is family-owned and operated by the same company that runs the Grand Theater in Crookston. For their showtimes, look online at morefamilytheaters.com. It sounds like a good time, especially that flash, because Michael Keaton's going to be Batman again. Yeah, well... Yeah, we, we talked about it on this week's uh, big screens and TV streams. I know Paul and I saw the movie last week, so had a lot of fun talking about that one. Yeah, a lot of big changes to DC movies. So yeah, check out this week's big screens and TV streams on Grand Fork's Best Source. All right. So we're, you know, we, we normally just talk about wrestling on this show, so that's what we're going to do, you know. We have a special guest with us today. His name is Jake. So... How are we doing? Thanks for having me on. <clears throat> yeah, we're always looking for new people. Jake's a fellow wrestling nut. Yeah, I've been watching wrestling my whole life. Yeah, I always tell people when all the other kids were watching Saturday morning cartoons, I was watching Saturday morning wrestling. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. My was, cousin used to come to town, and we'd go over to my grandparents and sit there and watch wrestling in her living room and... They'd always, grandparents would always be like, oh, why are you guys watching this? We're like, oh, it's great, it's great. And it was a old men on a mission tag team in the oh, 90s gosh. in WWE. And we'd always joke with my grandma and we'd be like, mom wrestles, mom wrestles. And she'd have no idea what we were talking <laughs> about. But then she finally caught on to what we were talking about after a while. But yeah, it was, it's always been a big, big part of my life and friends and relatives and whatnot have always kind of gotten into it so yeah gosh yeah men on a mission i remember being going along with the crowd chanting whoop there it is yeah. <laughs> well you know personally me for when i liked tag teams back in the day i liked the dudley boys and the brothers rotten oh yeah yeah oh yeah the original ecw tag teams yeah axel and ian before they broke up basically so, big theme for this week's show, huh, Icky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, we're just going to go around and talk about our favorite wrestlers today. So, let's just get that started then. That's so, a top five countdown, right? Top five countdown. And in the future, we'll do a f- top five countdown of our favorite women wrestlers. And this is, so. there's no special criteria. It's all eras, all styles, right? All eras, all styles, exactly. I don't know about you guys. I had a lot of, we're kind of talking a little bit before the show, but I was, I, I thought I had at least four f- of my five locked in, but then I did a lot of substituting, and I was just like, oh, man, this is harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> well, it, it was hard for me, too, actually, because, uh, you know, 
I have some favorite WWE wrestlers now, and I wanted to talk about them, but you know, I just figured I'd go back into the past for my list. Did you guys have any like maybe just like uh, like criteria for people to make your list? Like uh, I know for me, I was kind of going on like you know length of a successful career, being a, a top draw, maybe not a top draw, but just a good steady act for a while. Well. A lot of good matches, maybe entertaining, but maybe maybe not just you know five star classics, but entertaining like crowd wise too. I, I would say mine is more hardcore legends, mm-hmm. and you know like real wrestling. Jake, how about yeah, for you? Mine was more just uh, people that I really enjoyed watching. Um, obviously, most of the top guys are going to be more popular, but. Um, yeah, it was most mostly just the guys that I really were, were into during their heyday, and guys that I feel like I'll always remember. And my buddies from back home would always uh, we'd always be cheering for. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, looking forward to seeing everyone's picks. All right, let's start then. All right. All right, you want to know my number one, you guys? Or wait, are we starting at number five? Right, or number five. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Basically, no. Yeah, you, you got to do the big build up to the number one. Oh <laughs> uh, my! Well, then I have to open this up and go in in backwards. The Sheik, the original Sheik, the original Sheik. Yes, the one who used fire and forks and was uh, Sabu's uncle. Apparently, he wrestled an Inferno match. I believe it was either in I think it was in Puerto Rico, and he burned sixty percent of of the skin off of his back, and then he succumbed to smoke inhalation like a month later well that was like one of the original hardcore wrestlers that, oh, that got real big anyways right from still in the territory days yeah yeah any certain standout moment of his i mean besides for like a standout rivalry or anything like that i just like you know how he put sabu under his uh wing oh yeah that's yeah. true yep uh and he's just just the hardcore legend he was hardcore before it was cool you know yeah I think of original hardcore wrestlers that the original Sheik and uh, the Bushwhackers back when they were known as the Sheep Herders, <laughs> just being super hardcore in Australia. Yeah, um, I can go next year with my number five. Uh, I'm going with uh, Vader. Uh, Vader, oh, yeah. that's that's where uh, McFoley lost his ear was a match in, with Vader in Germany. And I mean that guy, he had such a long encompassing career. If you go back to his old school uh, when he first debuted in. In uh, New Japan against Antonio Inoki, who was on like a killer uh, winning streak over year-long plus reign as their champion, and he came in and like on his debut match squashed him in five minutes, caused a riot in Sumo Hall, and got New Japan banned from Sumo Hall for years. Well, Vader, Vader can squash anyone because he's a pretty big gay. And then yeah, he had a killer yeah. ru- killer run in Japan. And he was, I think he was more respected in Japan. Yeah. New Japan, all Japan. Like they, they made him into a joke when he came to America here. Kind of. He was a badass in WCW. Yeah. Well, you know, another, another, his helmet yeah, that helmet gear. Oh yeah. my gosh. Another, another person who was like that was uh, Mike awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just didn't utilize him in the proper text or, or even Abdullah, the butcher, you know, they made him look like a, like a wuss in like W the, the territories, but when he was in Japan, he was just hardcore as hell. Yeah, you know, Vader, for a big guy, he was pretty agile. He'd do, right. do moonsaults. Yeah. Uh, I remember this awesome match on Spring Stampede he had against, uh, it was called the boss, and, you know, the former big boss man. And those two were just lighting it up. And like you guys mentioned, that awesome rivalry he had with Mick Foley. 
And he, he, for like the first half of his WWF run, it was pretty good. Uh, some good rivalries with uh, was he ever, was HBK. Was he ever, ever a champion? No, he fought for the title, but he never won any titles. But he had a few good main events, and he kind of petered out his last year. But well, it's uh, like it's like uh, the Nasty Boys, kind of. You know, they didn't know how to utilize them yeah. either. But his WCW run was awesome, and like I, I, I want to say, he had a good run in America for most of the nineties. Can I say something about yeah. WCW really quick? Mm. I thought it was just overly cheesy. Oh yeah, <laughs> they had their moments. They had their moments. Jake, yeah, what, what, I feel like WCW just made a lot of. Poor decisions. Well, like the, the way, fat chick but... thriller. Oh gosh, right. yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that, well, that last like what two years of WCW. Oh, yeah, that oh was man, unbearable downward spiral. So, yeah. what is your what is your your pick, Jake? So, my number five would probably have to be RVD Rob Van Dam. Rob um, Van Dam. He was uh, he was one of those guys. As soon as I started watching him in ECW, you could tell that. He could make it anywhere. It didn't have to be hardcore um, all the time with him. He could go. You could. You could tell. He could go with any style, and he was gonna. He was gonna make it. He was gonna entertain you. He was. Well, here's the funny thing about that: the Sheik trained Rob Van Dam. Right. Right. Exactly. And uh, he did a lot of incorporated a lot of martial arts. And I was in Taekwondo when I was younger, so. That was another thing that appealed to me, and he was always just so chill and laid back. You know, seemed like a seemed like he would get done with his match and go back and burn one after that. And yeah, I just always loved him. Fonzie got a little annoying, but did you know Rob <laughs> yeah. Van, Rob Van yeah. Dam became a stand-up comedian? Did he really? Wow. Yes, he I, had too many concussions or something like that. And well, he had, a, he had a heck of a run. That that ECW run, I'm, I'll never forget renting or no, I buying my first. You know, they, they released those ECW original DVDs. Right. Uh, I would oh, I pay those. way too much for it at Suncoast in the mall. Yeah. Like, what, 30, 40 bucks? And, uh, and, and the first match I ever saw from those, my first ever ECW match in its original uh, entirety, was RVD and Jerry Lynn. And oh, it was just sure, yeah. mind blowing compared to what you saw right. from WWF. And so, did you go through the same thing seeing that first RVD matches? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? I was, uh, they were just so much more technical and he, like you said, he could go with anybody. He could go with guys like Sabu, or he could go with more technical wrestlers. Well, he like was a, he was in a tag team with Sabu, but they didn't get along. <laughs> right. And the, and the way he got the crowd involved, right? Yeah, yeah. He was always always good with interacting, and he just had some a great skill set. And yeah, I just just always really enjoyed watching him. Well, you know, you're talking about a good high flyer. Well, I, I'm kind of going to rectify my next pick because you gave me an idea with, with that Rob Van Dam. You're going to replace your number four pick? I'm going to replace yeah. my number four pick. What you got in mind? Matt Heisen himself, little Spike Dudley. Okay. <laughs> LSD. <laughs> yeah, he used to... You remember when he was in ECW, his finisher was called the Acid Drop? Yep. yep. But then when he moved to WWE, they made him rename it to the Dudley Dog? Yeah, the Dudley Dog. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, yeah, this won't fly here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, all the Dudleys, there was uh, Big Dick, uh, Sign Guy, Dudley Dudley, Dudley Dudley, who became Joel Gertner, Um, Dudley Dudley, Dances with Dudley, Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley. There's almost a good dozen of them. (laughs) Yeah, there was, yeah. And they'd all come out together, and that, that was funny, you know. But it was funny at ECW One Night Stand when the Dudleys were facing, I forget who the Dudleys were facing. 
but little Spike came up with a thing of lighter fluid and sprayed it all over the ta- table. And I'm thinking it was Tommy Dreamer and Sandman. That was a it was heck Tom- of a pay-per-view. Tommy yeah. Dreamer and Sandman, I believe. But he, they used to powerbomb Spike through flaming tables, but here it's Spike bringing the Dudleys the lighter fluid, you know, so they can powerbomb someone through a table. It's like, you know, they originally they hated each other, but then they started tag-teaming in WWE. And yeah, yeah, he had, a, he had a pretty good run in WWE, being like kind of like... No, I don't want to say like the third wheel, but uh, he was the cruiserweight champion yeah. for a while, if I remember right. Well, I think for even a little while, like he was like the head of the Dudleys. <clears throat> like he, like all of a sudden, he was like took took control and was like uh, like took initiative over them, and they were like obeying his word for like like the last year of the run or something like that. But uh, and then yeah, yeah, he was a uh, yeah good pick, man. You think that was a good pick? Yeah, I was going to ask what was your original number four. What was my original number four? Sabu. Sabu? Hey, that's just as good as a pick. He was on those original ECW DVDs also. I, I love yeah. I loved the Dudleys. The, I used to have the RF video. You remember RF video, right? Oh, yeah. Oh. Where you could order, like, the best ofs of any wrestler you could think of. I had the RF videos of the Dudley boys. Yeah, all the old school shoot interviews. Yeah. Yeah, yeah gosh, yeah, RF the, video. People made the Dudleys hate them, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sabu. Yeah, I mean, the stuff he would do with a chair in the ring, all the aerial aerial acrobatics. Well, he's the and... most homicidal, suicidal, genocidal athlete, daddy. Yeah. Yeah, Sabu is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then, well, he was just on. He he still makes appearances every now and again. He was just he, on an AEW yeah, pay-per-view. He was on AEW. He was enforcer. He was on uh, Time Bomb too a couple months ago. Yeah. Yeah, he's still kicking it. Yeah. So my number four pick, uh, I'm going with the Undertaker, because uh, I mean, what what a run, and right. and the way he kept evolving his style over the years. You know, the first several years, you know, just being more of a, a character. You know, with the whole the brooding, you know, dead man, and you know, just doing the more uh, methodical matches, but still sprinkling in some good moves. But he changed with the times. You know, American Badass, Biker Taker, and, and the more of a brawler, striker, and then you know. Then he actually became a legit good wrestler. <laughs> like, remember, remember exactly. when he used to come out to Limp Bizkit? Yeah, yeah. Biker Taker, and, and, and then Kid Rock for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, Taker I, I was, is actually my number four as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. I was gonna say that there was a question in one of the wrestling magazines: Why Undertaker did you use Limp Bizkit for your music? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, they he. Limp Bizkit even sang him out to one of the WrestleManias. They yeah. were the special guests, yeah. Yeah, well, what were some of your favorite Taker moments, Jake? Yeah, um, I always remember his feud back in the day with uh, Hogan. Oh, and yeah. And Hogan cheating and using the urn, throwing it in his eyes and taking the title. Um, Mick Foley had the urn, too, for a while, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah, when uh, Paul Bear turned on Taker and Foley and Paul Bear were hooked up. That's when uh, Foley had the urn, and then well, Foley had some really great matches with the Undertaker, and one of oh, the yeah. best is the Hell in a Cell. From, right, I believe nineteen ninety eight. It was, yeah, yeah, those Hell in a Cell matches. That ninety eight Hell in a Cell yeah. is just legendary. Well, you know, I'm uh, later on my list. I'm going to talk about someone who was at the Hell in a Cell and who lost his shoes. If you know <laughs> who I'm talking about, I think so. Yeah, uh, and then we cannot. We'd be remiss talking about Undertaker if we were not to mention the streak 
And the, right. I mean, e- even from its humble beginnings against, you know, Jimmy Snuka and Jake Roberts to the epic clashes with, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels, yeah. Triple, Triple, H. H. Triple H. I was there. At, I, I went to one WrestleMania. I was there for when it was Undertaker and Triple H, Hell in a Cell with Shawn Michaels, the ref. And this, the atmosphere, you know, and I don't say to say it's electric, you know, it's a little bit of a cliche, but, you know, the energy, you could just, it was an outdoor stadium. You could just feel right. it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've known Undertaker, hardcore Undertaker fans throughout the years through all eras of his character. Yeah, I mean, even you just as soon as he was introduced, you could tell there's something different about him. And well, you know, here's the thing. You know, they had a video game release a couple years ago where there was like five different versions of the Undertaker you could buy. Oh, yep, yeah, yeah. Some of those SmackDown games, they're they're really good at including extra costumes and attires for different eras. Yeah. And then I don't know if you knew this, but Undertaker's brother actually lives in town here in Grand Forks. Um, Mr. Calloway or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been friends with him for quite a while now. And um, he wouldn't, he would never order the live events, but since I have the network on my phone, I would always show him the last few years of Taker's entering career. I'd oh, really? Meet up with him and make sure he got to see all his brothers. What? Could have been the final match since he kept telling his family he would retire and then Vince would bring him back for another year, hook him back in, and then he's like, no, this is my final match, and What's... Vince would hook him back in again. So every, I had to keep showing him every single match because we never knew for sure that it was actually going to be the last one because Vince would keep bringing him back in. Here's the funny thing, you know, like his supposed brother in, in wrestling, uh, Kane, right. is actually a mayor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Knoxville County, isn't it? Yeah, what, Tennessee? Tennessee. Yeah, gosh, Kane. Yeah, yeah make, making big strides, big political career. Gosh, yeah, Undertaker, right. what a legend. Uh, Icky, you're number three? Probably you, you. neither of you have heard of this guy, but I'm just going to put him in there anyways. Mr. Pogo. And a big ja- Japanese hardcore wrestler, right? Yes, he uses sickles, saws, drills. Sure. Fire, thumbtacks, just whatever he can get his hands on. What was that, FMW you're saying, I think? FMW, yeah. yeah. Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, which I was talking to Jake about it. And uh, um, it was made by a man named Atsushi Onida, who was a big Japanese wrestler, but then he got hurt really bad. And he found out he was a high flyer originally, and they found he, he couldn't do the high flying anymore, so he decided to do the hardcore stuff. And he started Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, FMW, because originally it was like boxers versus wrestlers or um, karate people versus wrestlers and things like that. And it eventually evolved into this crazy thing where they would, there was one where they had a swimming pool just full of explosives. And if they fell out of the ring, they'd fall in there. You know, there was matches where they had like live scorpions to sting people and fire and explosives and razor wire and i've heard some stories about the, how inventive they'd get with some of the hardcore spots and some of those, those japanese hardcore promotions and yeah they like i, th- I think I'm, I, f- I forget which promotion maybe it was war where they put they made an inanimate object a, a ladder it's hardcore champion like the ladder <laughs> fell on top of a champion the ref just counted the pin and gave the ladder the championship yeah yeah, it's amazing some of the stuff they could do back in the day with those hardcore matches that probably wouldn't fly these days, especially not in the U.S. Well, you know, as I was saying, uh, um, 
Japanese wrestling is considered an actual sport there. Right. But uh, we have do it. We do have companies like uh, Game Changer Wrestling yeah. and and Combat Zone Wrestling, which try to incorporate a lot of the Japanese stuff into right. them. Yep. Um, that's kind of where Moxley made his name was in CZW. Oh yeah, that's there was right, a lot yeah. of people who made their name in CZW. I thought MGF did too. Yeah, I'm trying. To I know. I know. Major League yeah, Wrestling. He got he was pretty with big. MLW. Yeah. For a long time. He may. He may, so. may have got some good buzz in uh, CZW. Yeah. But uh, I guess I could jump in here next. With my uh, next pick. My number three. Uh, Brock Lesnar. Oh, Brock yep. Lesnar. His the favorite. Yeah. His favorite thing is the florets. He's block, broccoli Lesnar. <laughs> broccoli. <laughs> yeah, broccoli Lesnar. He likes his veggies. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no. Gosh, man. Somehow that guy. I don't know how he could pull off just being. A featured attraction act for like since 2012 since his return to wrestling just wrestling like three to maybe five times a year for lucky but it makes it seem like every time he wrestles it's like destination watching almost like a you know mma right. his mma run you know what we gotta say about that destination unknown Ruby, 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 Ruby show. I think that's a different wrestler that uses that theme song but, but uh, <laughs> you said destination yeah. unknown oh yeah but no yeah i mean so many good matches too, like with him wrestling so sporadically. You know, a lot of his matches stand out so much to me. Like there's that SummerSlam match with John Cena where he dominated like ninety percent of the match. Right. Did you did you like him as a Paul Heyman guy though? Oh, I loved him as a Paul Heyman guy. Yeah, you know Paul Heyman doing those big elaborate yeah. introductions, and and then ladies he, and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman, <laughs> and, and then. Even if he would, his matches were short, they were pretty meaningful. Like how he won the title from Kofi Kingston in like what right. seven seconds? <clears throat> you know, yeah. that was that was epic. You know, he made even, and then he had some epic matches on Survivor Series with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. And then most importantly, I, you know, there was that disaster. His last match in his first WWF run or WWE run, you know, that disaster Goldberg match at WrestleMania yeah, twenty, when everybody knew they were both leaving after that match. And the crowd was just dumping on them both. Yeah. But, you know, fast forward to 20, uh, was it 17 or 2014? Uh, you know, and they do the rematch. And they build it up over a half a year. And I'm just thinking, oh, this is going to be bad. Not after that first match. Right. You know, Goldberg. So, you know, this is first time back in many, many years. This is going to be a disaster. But they build it up over five months. And it all culminates at WrestleMania. And it it's just a five-minute match. But it's, it's a slugfest that you want between two behemoths. And yeah. it actually stole the show and ended up being the best match of the show. Right. Yeah. So. And he's such a smart business guy. I mean, to have Goldberg squash him mm-hmm. twice in a row just to make it more <clears throat> seem um, a little more even. You know, Goldberg getting up there in age and not being around for quite a while. And Does anybody that was all Lesnar. He's like, let's make money here, you know. Anybody here remember Gilberg? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Gilberg. Gilbert. Yes. They kept him around because they didn't want him to jump and then have them make fun of, turn him into an Austin um, mock-up. Yeah, gosh. Yeah, Gilberg. Yeah, quite the light heavyweight champion. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Wiz, let's get on. Yeah, Jake, what's your number three? Uh, number three would probably have to be Mr. Perfect, Kirk Oh, yeah. Um, Great pick. Minnesota guy. Loved all his vignettes with uh, Chris Carter and other athletes. You know, he'd be on the football field and throw himself a pass, 100-yard pass. and That's right. Kid. He'd always come out 
spit his gum, swatted away, and he was just such a good wrestler too, and he was great on the mic and um had one of the best entrance scenes. Looked up to guys that were from from the area and then uh I, even when he was on commentary, it was yeah. great to listen to him. And he just always seemed like that guy that wanted to look good and, you know, kind of like a Ric Flair style, but not quite as over the top as Flair would get sometimes. And, but yeah, I just, I loved watching his matches. I love that. I love the perfect flex. That was such yeah. a cool finisher. And You know who he, he, he kind of reminds me of? The franchise Shane Douglas. I don't know. I guess I never thought about that before. I know he he has one of my all time favorite entrance themes. Yeah, and yeah, he was like probably one of my favorite wrestlers to pick in WrestleFest, the old arcade game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd always it'd be Mister Perfect and Ultimate Warrior. I would always pick as my tag team when I was playing those old arcade games. Are you a fan of the West Texas Rednecks? Uh, I didn't like them as much, but they were. I've actually went back and watched some of their stuff now, and it's a lot more entertaining yeah. than it was at the time. I don't think I appreciated it at the time, um, just how entertaining it was. But That song I is mean, catchy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, then. it was pretty funny. All right. What do you got next, Icky? Number, number two, Cactus Jack. Is he wanted? He's wanted dead. <laughs> Oh, Is man. it like it used to say on his shirt, wanted dead, but then he, he changed it to wanted dead or alive? And he kind of foreshadowed his pick a little earlier when I was talking about Vader. Yes. Mick Foley, this man has lost an ear. He, he's had multiple concussions. He used to wrestle in barbed wire and explosives and all sorts of stuff, but they made him a laughing stock when he came to WWE. And they said Cactus Jack was sleazy. That's what Vince McMahon had said. Because Cactus Jack did all the deathmatch wrestling. Sure. So he said he was sleazy because he, he he didn't even want to bring him into WWE because he goes... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's why they made him Mankind at first, yeah. yeah. But eventually they did bring him back and they treated him as a big deal. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was kind of weird with the whole dude love Mankind, Cactus Jack thing all existing at once. I, I, you were talking a couple of months ago about a, a Royal Rumble where all three of them were in the Royal Rumble. That's right. Yeah. I think it was Rumble 98. Yeah. He pulled it off. <laughs> you think that would like triple his chances at winning, but it, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> well, you know, Dude Love was just a laughing stock. Mankind was okay, but Cactus Jack is my favorite. He uh, helped train Mikey Whipwreck, actually. I remember some of their, if you look up on YouTube, there's some good training uh, EC, ECW archive footage of uh, Cactus Jack training Mikey Whipwreck. It's really good stuff. Yeah. And he lost an ear to Vader, like we were talking about earlier. <clears throat> he had a good feud in WCW with Vader also. I remember watching yeah. a lot of those matches, and then it was shortly after that, or maybe it was during that feud when... Cactus Jack went missing, and they were searching oh, yeah. all over, looking for him in the streets and interviewing people. And I liked, I liked when Cactus Jack won the uh, King of the Deathmatch tournament. I believe it was 95 or 96. He won it from Terry Funk, I believe. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they had those epic Japanese hardcore matches, yeah. And then that big rivalry with Triple, Triple H. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Yeah. But, all right. 
Um, my number two pick, uh, I'm going with, uh, I guess I'll, I, I got his T-shirt on, so uh, Limousine Ryan. <laughs> yeah, Gucci shoe wearing, jet, jet, jet flying, son of a gun. Woo, nature boy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, come on. What, what more can you say about Ric Flair? The guy's, the guy's an icon, a classic. Uh, what about, what do you think of Charlotte Flair? Charlotte Flair, well, yeah, she's continuing his legacy, you know, being one of the greatest women wrestlers. So uh, uh, she had a rough few years there, but I hope uh, Asuka she's, kicks her butt. she's really coming into her own these last couple of years. But, uh, you know, when we, whenever we get to that top five women wrestlers list there, I think she, good chance she may make the list. But uh, no, Ric Flair, so many legendary rivalries over the years. If you, if you can go back to the 80s. Remember Evolution? Yeah, like 2000s with Evolution, Captain Revelant, uh, no, just winding the tutelage for Batista, Randy Orton, and being a tag team with Batista, tag team champion. And he had that really good intercontinental title run. And then uh, the 92 Royal Rumble going yeah. over an hour. Awesome stuff. And, uh, yeah, those 80s NWA, WCW feuds with Ricky Steamboat, Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race, all the original set of Starcade main events, just a Harley lot of Quinn. epic right. matches. <laughs> Harley Quinn. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But uh, and, and uh, one of the best all-time talkers, too. I could watch a marathon of all those old-school uh, NWA, WCW uh, promos where he just rants and raves with Tony Schiavone when yeah. Tony Schiavone had that old-school 80s mustache. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, absolutely. All right. Yeah. What, 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 what a legend. Yeah, so, yeah, that's my number two pick, Ric Flair, Jake. Yeah, my number two, um, speaking about going back and watching some old school promos, is uh, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah! He's just so colorful, entertaining, his promos, the way he talked, the inflections during his promos, um, and you know, he could he could get out there and go too, and he evolved throughout the years, and <clears throat> um, you know, you... Everybody always remembers, of course, the cream of the crop promo where he just kept popping out those little creamers, talking <laughs> yes. mean gene. Did, did you ever ever see the the uh, Slim Jim commercials? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we used to, yeah, we used to buy Slim Jims, and we that's what we did. We imitated the Macho Man, and I know he had that run with Hogan as the Mega Powers for yeah. a while. Um, I really liked his. WCW run um, when they went to uh, the red and black NWO. Oh, and yeah. then um, I didn't like as much when he was Impact, but I liked that he changed his character up again, and it was closer to um, closer to the character that he played in Spider Man. Actually, Bone um, Crusher, Bone Saw, or Bone Saw, yeah. yeah. But. Uh, yeah, he was he was always one of my favorites favorites to watch, listen to. Um, I really like when he had his WCW run and he called up Elizabeth and brought her back. Just you know, just said, "Hey, we can make a buttload of money if you come back, and you know, everybody's gonna remember us. That's gonna draw. Just the fact that we're back together is gonna draw. Plus, you already know what you're doing. You know how to add to the show, add to the matches." Um, just seemed like a really cool thing for him to do, and yeah, I just always loved watching the Macho Man. He was great. His outfits, his hats, his sunglasses. Yeah. Oh man, um, Slim Jims. Yeah, DDP rivalry was yeah. probably like my favorite WCW rivalry. Well, did you know, did really DDP, put DDP over the top. DDP mm-hmm. didn't get involved in wrestling until he was like thirty nine years old or something like that. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Later than average. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He 
he was set out to be a manager at first, and then, yeah, he ended up training and getting into the other side of things, and well, he had a good run. Heck yeah. We should do our number one now. Big number one pick, Iki. What, what do you got? Well, he's a professor at Funk U. Oh, yeah. And he's a hardcore legend, and his name is Terry Funk. Yeah, yeah, Chainsaw Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, no, no, yeah, legendary wrestler. Yeah, he 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 won the ECW World Heavyweight Champion at the chip at the age of sixty or something like that. Yeah, I think their first pay per view barely barely legal. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, that triple threat there. And as I was saying, he he got choke slammed out of his shoes uh, at the uh, Hell in a Cell. Yeah, then if he, yeah, great. Evolved his style to really blend in with the hardcore style in the 90s. And he was in Japan, majorly in Japan. I believe he, he tag-teamed with Mr. Pogo, if I remember right. And you can't neglect his, his original run, you know, NWA champion. And, well, uh, him and Dory Funk used to be a tag-team, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, Dory Funk, another NWA champion. Uh, yeah, that awesome rivalry with Ric Flair. I quit match. I'm more into his more hardcore stuff. Oh, yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like the, the godfather of hardcore. Oh, yeah, very yeah, fair. He's, those old hardcore matches, they're on all those Stranglemania tapes that ICP would put out, and they'd dub their own commentary over. But, yeah, he's, he's on, a, I think, all, every volume of those Stranglemanias, is, there's at least one Terry Funk hardcore match. When were they releasing those? I guess I'm completely unfamiliar uh, with this those. Is, this is... Around uh, mid to late 90s, probably, when ICP was kind of gaining some mainstream steam. Um, and yeah, they'd release them, and it'd be all these old Japanese death matches, Mick Foley, Terry, Terry Funk, and then ICP would dub the commentary oh over them. And, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were funny to listen to, but yeah, the matches alone were worth watching it. Mm-hmm. All right, what's going All on right. next? All uh, right, my number one pick, uh, I mean, I absolutely love the guy. Still going to this day after some uh, mild uh, setbacks. He's been kicking it in AEW now, but, you know, we know him. Yeah, Brian Danielson, or WWE fans may know him as Daniel Bryan. The American uh, Dragon. American Dragon. Mean. I mean, I followed his career going back to his ROH run. So many, so many classic matches there with, like, uh, you know, at the time, Tyler Black, now Seth Rollins, uh, Samoa Joe, Homicide. Wyatt Family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, he moved on to, uh, I guess you could say, the original incarnation of NXT. That survived that. And then, you know, then he the moved over thing. to AEW. Nexus Angle. What a great uh, WrestleMania 30. What a great, it all led up to uh, winning the, the WWE title on the grandest stage and just uh, getting one more epic great match out of Triple H to go into that triple threat match, which yeah. was just a, a heck of a time. And yeah, he got a lot of great matches in his WWE career, but then he had all those health setbacks that took a couple years away. And uh, yeah, and that, but he still had a lot, a lot of good ones when they finally was able to clear all the tests and right. get back. And yeah, the, and now he's rocking it in AEW. Uh, I'm kind of waiting for him to really kind of break through and have that like. You know, world championship run in AEW, but I'm just thinking they're just picking their spots I like for the, it. The uh, Blackpool Combat Club, yeah, yeah, that's you know? yeah, a good group, yeah. And then uh, we can't forget uh, the awesome was it the what, what what did he call himself when he had the wooden title belt, like the vegan champion or yeah. something like that? 
and Eric Rowan as his manager. That was a great yeah. run. Yeah, really good stuff. But yeah, Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson, my number one pick. All right. Jake? Oh, my number one is uh, HBK, Shawn Michaels. Just, I loved him when he was with the Rockers. Um, I always tend to like some of the guys that when they um, really start blowing up, they're, they're a heel to get over. Um, and, you know, after he booted Gennetti through the barbershop window there. That devastated me as a kid. Yeah, he was, it was, uh, he's just always been such a great wrestler and had such great moments and great storylines. Um, they really, they really knew how to, the commentators and, I mean, it was Vince at the time was, really able to put him over with the backstories behind, um, you know, the, the boy who lost his smile and after he got jumped that one time. and I think, just... personally, you know, I think HBK was overhyped. I don't know about that. No. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a reason he was, he was the man for a, quite a while there. And, and then he, was able, he came back after that back injury sabbatical. Right, yeah. And, you know, I didn't love that first match back. The unsanctioned one oh, against yeah. Triple H, where he had his cowboy boots on, his jeans, the whole match. I mean, but it was cool to see him back, and then yeah, just the way he was able to come back and almost bring it right back to the level that he was. I mean, some of those matches surpassed the level that he was well, back you, in his you, original Jericho. You, you know what it re- he reminds me of, kind of, or who like it can be a correlation between the two is uh, Billy Gunn. Reminds me of like a newer HBK. I guess I could kind of see yeah, you know how way, yeah. you know you know he was a tag team like guy and he broke out on his own. Right. And, yeah, but you no know, HBK. That's an awesome pick. I know I, I I had a lot of wrestlers that I was kind of trying to fit in there, and he was one of the ones that just kind of couldn't make the final cut. I hated doing it, but uh, yeah, so yeah. many great matches. Those two against Taker back to back at Mania. Yeah. Those are. Some of my favorite matches of all time. I mean, I remember a couple different times and Grand Forks here moving around and didn't have a Roku or any streaming stuff at that point and didn't have cable or internet yet. So I would pop in the Taker's WrestleMania DVD and just watch his matches. And yeah, I'd get to the Shawn Michaels ones and. I'd watch those over and over before I finally kept moving on. And yeah, he was he was great, and now he's doing a. I think he's doing a great job, and with NXT, and um, you know, they they started recreating some of those old moments with like Toxic Attraction. They just recreated the barbershop moment That's right. of them breaking yeah. up, and yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see some of those old callbacks too. So, but. Lending his tutelage to a new generation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's our top five. Yeah. Uh, right now, we're going to have an, a message from Executive Properties. Are you still putting off that project around the house that's been bugging you forever? Do you think you can wait until spring and call a contractor and have the work done ASAP? Well, good luck with that. Executive Properties has openings right now to get that project done. In fact, you can check out their Google reviews. Austin says Barry and the team did a great job putting a deck skirt on my deck. It gave the deck a great finished look and helps keep my dog from getting covered in mud every morning. Would recommend them for any project, large or small. 
Tell you what, for that project you want done sooner than later, call Executive Properties, 701-330-1273. All right, welcome back. Um, well, that was our top five wrestlers of all time today. Uh, we're, the next show we'll probably do is the top five women wrestlers of all time. And I believe we'll be having a special guest on that show, too. So, Do you know yeah, what you got on tap for Weird Cinema next week? I have no idea. Mystery. It's a mystery. Edward Nigma. <laughs> mystery. Mr. E. Edward Nigma. Stay weird, Grand Forks. <laughs>